Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Ed Diaz as we talk about our messages in Philippians chapter 3. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching. Today in the armchair is uh, Reverend Diaz, Ed Diaz, who's been in the armchair before. Glad that you're here, Ed. Always great to be here. Yeah, Thanks, Zach. we're really glad that you're here. And um, you know, we're talking just a little bit before, but uh, you know, you were not scheduled to be the preacher for this past Sunday, and um, it was a um, a la- You know, it, was a, it wasn't last minute. Last minute, I, I called you, called you what. Tuesday, Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday. I, yeah. Um, so Pastor John, our senior pastor, his um, his mother's been struggling health wise for several um, for several months, um, actually probably over a year, and uh, she passed away um, on Tuesday morning. And uh, um, it, you know, obviously it 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 was we were very concerned for for John for his wife Seal. Um, we also know uh, John's um, uh, sister. Karen, I don't know. Have you ever met Karen? Yes, I have yeah. actually. Uh, she's very regular uh, uh, online attender. Yes. Uh, so it was good to I actually got to meet her a few weeks ago. She was here in person. So, um, our, so obviously, our thoughts, our prayers, our our concerns for, for them. And then Pastor John uh, texted me on Tuesday and said, "Hey, I'm you know the way the funeral services are looking, I don't think I'm going to be able to get something ready for Sunday. Can you reach out to?" you know, one of our, one of our, our folks that, you know, preaches regularly and, and see who's, who's available to do it. And you were the first person I called. Um, and, uh, one of the things I said in the Agape Sunday school class, when I was, you know, kind of explaining what was going on is that, um, we are an exceptionally blessed congregation that we've got folks like you, uh, and others, Ed, who have a fairly, uh, deep well, of biblical knowledge and teaching or we're just very old that's all (laughs) (laughs) isn't that potato potato right no it's experience is what it's called right experience and has a lot that you can pull from on a fairly short order so what you were very gracious no hesitation you were like yes i'm i'm honored to be able to help and 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 be in that way what is it like for you to get a call like that have you has that happened to you before how often has that happened to you in the past well because of my age it's happened to me many times and i'm always thrilled to be able to uh, to fill in and and uh especially here at my home church it's it's just an honor and a blessing to always be here i will tell you a great story and god really came through in this regard i hadn't taught or preached from philippians in the longest time i you know it's been years since i've been in philippians i uh, love the book and had taught it a couple of times in the agape class yeah. and one of the times i taught it i think all the way back in 19 maybe 89 so that's okay. 24 years ago uh we i'm actually, not going to tell you what grade i was in <laughs> thanks <laughs> <laughs> but we were recording that class at the uh, time on an old cassette uh, recorder that oh, david wow. merrill had organized for me and then i would transfer that onto a digital format many years later well I said to myself, self, I think there's a recording of me teaching Philippians somewhere. I'll at least have some basic outline to use. And I went into my files, and there was just one message from Philippians that 
was in my digital library, and it happened to be Philippians three. Oh. So thanks, Lord. Uh, it was just an, uh, just made my life a lot easier to have an outline ready to go, and then mm-hmm. just update everything and fill in the blanks. So yeah. it was it was a great time to do. It's it's helpful. I think one of the things that I think is particularly helpful for us is that the preachers that we go to, um, whether we're on vacation or in a situation like this, you, um, Brian Morgan, Josh Schweitzer, um, even, even like an Abby Rada, um, y'all are in the community, right? So you're yes. in the regular worshiping flow of the church. It's in some churches, and one of the things I said to the, the agape class on Sundays is, is is we're incredibly blessed because there are times when a a solo pastor, if if, if Pastor John was in a solo pastor situation, and and you know congregations just like this, um, this was to happen. He's got to do it on. He's still got to come back and and preach on Sunday or. Um, trust the pulpit to someone who doesn't know the congregation. Yeah, and, and the great part about that was I was able to reference what you had done yeah. uh, in Philippians 2 and, and one of the lessons John had done earlier than that. So, again, being in the flow of the community, being in the service, having an idea of what's been said, uh, it was it was just a much easier task to build on rather than start start from scratch. Yeah, and and I think it it puts uh, I, I know for John um, when I you know had been texting with him, I don't know for me personally when it's uh, when when we're out of town and we we hand the reins off to to, to one of y'all, it, there's we there's no worry about what's going to be said. Do you know what I'm saying? There's no like uh you know they could. <laughs> They could go really off the rails here. Um, so um, I will tell you a funny story. One time, when years ago, we had a thing called the Lamp Breakfast. It was the Lakeland area men's prayer breakfast, and we invited retired pastors from the congregation to speak. And uh, we sent out about twenty invitations to about twenty of the retired pastors who were at that time in the congregation, and we got only two responses. One was an absolute no, and the other <laughs> one was, "If I'm still alive in the spring, I will do it." <laughs> Well, it's you know this was this was a good uh, a good Sunday for you to come in, um, and uh, I, I enjoyed hearing your message. You you do always do such a great job because you have a teacher's heart, um, and I think some people have said the same thing about. I, I love to preach, but the teaching is teaching's easier. Yes, teaching is easier. And so I love you got you go deep in the background and the context of well, and the it's my, one of my favorite places to visit over the years has been Philippi. And, I've, and I've how many times have you been? Did you did uh, you seven mention seven or eight at okay. least? I've taken a lot of groups through there and worked for other large big name pastors over yeah. the years and taken uh, groups as large as four hundred to Philippi. So, yeah. uh, but it's really a special place, especially yeah, when you start uh, down by the river and. And then move back to the town. Yeah, the the I, I've never been to Philippi. I've done some of the areas in. We lived in Italy for two and a half years, so some of the areas in and around, you know, the Pauline sites sure. there. Um, the, those sites get don't get as much attention as, as say you know obviously like the Holy Land, Jerusalem, Galilee, for good reason. I mean, yes. uh, for obviously good reasons, but it's still. I think we. And one of the things I, I love how you highlight it's still so important for us as as the church to understand this is this is the birth of the Gentile church. Amen. Yes. Right? And it's it's always amazing to me how incredibly 
I guess the word is courageous and tough and wiry the Apostle Paul had to have mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. Uh, because to travel the ancient world 2,000 years ago was no easy task. To be yeah. a little older as he was and then apparently got sick on the first missionary journey and yet the second journey is his longest in terms of distance mm-hmm. geographically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the conditions then in prison, uh, I would not have, have borne up at all under those circumstances. But Paul, uh, again, he had joy in spite of his circumstances yeah. throughout all of that ministry. Well, and especially there's there's some indication he 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 already had some potentially some sight issues and and things of that nature as well. Um, and you're right. I mean, I, I'm I'm always. Uh, befuddled and slash blown away when you look at the the Bible maps and they 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 trace the the, the routes of Paul's journeys because it is they're very long they're very uh, even even like you mentioned the the shorter missionary journey the shortest you know. Still, it, it takes up some distance. It well, takes up some distance. Well, in those days of the first journey where it was the shortest, there was malaria, and that may have affected his eyesight. Yeah. That's the thought by a lot of scholars. And yeah. again, it's one thing to look at the life of Christ, and, and, and we love Israel, we go to Israel. But, you know, he he was God as well as being man. Yeah. Paul was just man. Yeah. Uh, he was no more than, than we are in mm-hmm. terms of flesh and bone, and yet the incredible way. I mean, God used him to change the, the course of Western civilization, sure. and a lot of that happened from the prison cells that he occupied. Which is even more incredible. Unbelievable. You know, we're not ta- and, you know, we're not talking about, um, you know, we're not talking about a, a man of, of, by all accounts, any great stature, or even a, a, a wonder. I mean, he even he even pokes fun at himself for his his lack of oratory skills. Yes. you know, which is you know pretty incredible. And yet, you know, if if not for Paul, the Gentile Church is not what it is. You know, yes. it doesn't. It does, you know, God uses that, and you know that kind of brings us to the message to. Of this past week from uh, Philippians chapter three, because one of the things that Paul really goes after in Philippians three is this this something that he was very familiar with this background you know this Hebrew background this Hebrew attempt at uh, self righteousness um, you know we both talked about the Judaizers. Uh, which in in the Philippian church doesn't get as much attention, I think, from from Bible right, scholars right. as like more the Galatian Galatian church, yes. yeah, um, and and even in even in like the church in Colossae, there's some lines there, yes. but but it's 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 evident from this passage that they were dealing with that issue as well. It's 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 amazing to me, and I guess it's the work of Satan to frustrate the plan of God and the program of God, but these Judaizers apparently followed him around from place to place, came in after he had started a church and left it in a good place, and now they're teaching different doctrine. And in, in the Galatians passage, he says, if anybody gives you a different gospel, let them be accursed. I yeah. mean, Paul, Paul took these men very, very seriously. Yeah, yeah the language that he reserves, and, and we see it in this passage, yes. but even in the Galatians, Church. I mean, what does he say? He said he talks about uh, he talks about circumcision, and he says, "I wish they'd go the whole way." Yeah. <laughs> you know, into you know, basically saying, "I wish they'd castrate themselves." Right. Um, I should have probably put a a, 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 a listener warning on, on this for parents. If you're listening to that, you might have to explain something to your kids. Um, and here he talks about them as being dogs. Yeah, dogs, and and he calls them the, those who mutilate themselves. I mean, it's just it's a bizarre. Very long, yeah. a very strong language. Yes. I mean, and 
I, I personally, I mean, I like when Paul gets salty like that because <laughs> it proves, like you're to your point, you know, he's a he's a human being. And the irony is that the Gentiles, who were the Judea, who the Jews, who, who who were the Judaizers, would have considered the Gentiles as dogs. That that was often the case, even in the life of Christ. I loved how you pointed that. And out. here, here Paul goes and says, "They're dogs. Yeah, <laughs> they're uh, they're evil." Yeah, I loved how you pointed that out. That it was a it was a flip of expectation, especially considering Paul's uh Paul's credentials you know Paul, as a Hebrew as yes. as a Jewish man which you and I both spent some time on it I talked about it from the, the standpoint of like a resume you talked about it from the standpoint of trophies and pedigree but both are basically the same thing right we have this Paul outlining every reason he has to be proud of himself as a Jewish person and not even every reason but but Quite a number of them. His pedigree is as strong as anybody we know of, especially in the in the church era of the New Testament. Yeah, and and especially one who threw it all away. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't think it's one of the things. And I actually, as we're just talking now, I'm thinking about you know he talks about his suffering, and we both kind of went to the prison suffering, but even the fact that you know the emulation of Paul of Christ in Philippians 2, for example. Mm -hmm. He talks about the great descent of Christ from heaven Mm -hmm. to earth, earth to the form of a servant, servant to the point of death, death on a cross. But even think about Paul. I mean, Paul was on the trajectory to being a very prominent Pharisee. Absolutely. And yet he, part of his suffering or part of his loss or part of his emulation of Christ is throwing all that away, giving all that up. For the and, not, and not only giving it up, but uh, being willing to defend it. I mean, in, in the Galatian letter, when Peter shows up and starts hanging out with, with the practices of Judaism, uh, he gets in Peter's face. And Peter was, you know, the leader of the Twelve. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, but Paul had gone through the Jerusalem Council. They had come up with their conclusions, and Paul was willing to die for those conclusions. And he, as Gentiles, we ought to be very thankful for that. Absolutely. And even though he was an outlier amongst that early church, I mean, there was a lot of... We forget there was a lot of skepticism about the reception of Paul because he even says it here. You know, his zeal led him to be a persecutor of the church. He he doesn't think one of the things I love about about that statement, that particular line where Mm -hmm. he says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, is that it he demonstrates that at one point that was a source of pride for him. Sure. That he was willing to go after these, um, you know, what was considered blasphemers and, and, and idol worshipers, you know, proclaiming a human being as God. And now he, he, he sees that in an entirely different light. And, but that was the very thing that kept him a little bit for, for I'll say a little bit for a long time on the outside of the church. And it wasn't really until you know, he comes back from the first and second missionary journeys that he begins to gain the recognition of the yeah. larger, wider church in and Jerusalem. And even prior to that, you know, when, when they were going to commission for the first missionary journey, it was like, well, let's go get Paul. Nobody knew where he was. <laughs> I think they were afraid of him. I think his the word zeal probably characterized a lot of his life. And he yeah. was, you know, in his faithfulness, he was he was sound in his theology. But, you know, I'm sure there were, there were, there were prickly parts to his personality. And over time, I think you see him soften in his approach. I think 
uh, as he gets to the end of the second journey, he's he's failed in a lot of places. Uh, he gets driven out of Philippi. He goes to Thessalonica. He gets kicked out of there. He goes yeah. to Berea. Doesn't last very long there. Gets to Athens. He doesn't get to start a church in Athens. Yeah. Finally, in Corinth, which is you know like the homestead of Florida, it's as far south as you can go. There's nowhere left. And Corinth is a is a military town. It's a it's a rank town. It's a it's a sinful place. Uh, but Priscilla and Aquila get a hold of him, and I think that that couple had a great impact on Paul in terms of his ministry. And it went from being more of a proclamational, confrontational approach to be more more of a relational thing. And and I think that allowed him to be successful and thrive Mm -hmm. through the rest of his years. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because Corinth, where where you're talking about, you know, takes place, the letters that he writes to Corinth have some of the most detailed accounts of what of the problems that they're dealing with. I mean, talk about sexual immorality and and uh, divisions based on socioeconomic standing that, that even affect the sacrament of, of the Lord's Supper. Um, but, but it shows that there is some relational depth there that he's having this, what seems like fairly regular correspondence back and forth with the church in Corinth, because he seems to be very detailed in, in his his approach to uh, helping them through what he says in f- the book of Philippians, which is how, how are they working out their salvation? What are the implications of their salvation? How does that even affect what they eat? You know, what they drink? You know, um, and 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 their relationships to one another, depending on you know their standing in the in the community. It's just it's really interesting that that Paul's journeys, right? Oh my gosh! And and you know he actually says I think it's in Second Corinthians when you're mentioning the book that uh, beyond all of the outward persecution, there's the inward suffering from the pressure of the churches. Yeah. And I'm always amazed at young men getting out of seminary and you ask, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to pastor a New Testament church. Yeah. <laughs> well, which one exactly would you like to pastor? The one in Corinth <laughs> with all those problems? You know, the church at Philippi had issues with leadership and servanthood. You know, pick one. Yeah. Uh, the Galatians that, had false doctrine going on. Yeah. So, uh, As did the Colossians and, as, then, yeah. and the Ephesians. You know, there, there seems to be some disunity that's happening Absolutely. there too. I mean, that's... Uh, uh, there, th- and that's that's what we always say, you know. Um, you know, if you find the perfect ter- church, don't join it. Don't join it; you'll ruin it because you're going to ruin it. And um, and the fact is, any church that claims perfection is already ruined in the first place, right? Yeah. Because yeah. there's no there's no standard by by which by which we can measure that. Because our our relationship with Jesus Christ, even as a community, it's not based on what we do; it's based on who He is, right? We bring nothing, <laughs> and that's really one of the big things that you you know you you really reinforce um, in relationship to to Paul's pedigree, the backgrounds, the trophies. Is that when you get down when Paul is looking at this and he's looking back at all those things that he once found some pride in it absent the question about who his Lord and Savior is, who Jesus Christ is, it doesn't matter. You know, you talk about the idea of when you get to heaven, it's there's one question. Yes, it's a pass-fail course. There's only one question you got to get right. And um, Paul understood that because he had spent most of his his adult life, probably all of his adult life, working on the other side of that. Um, you know, as you're facing this passage this week coming in, you know, you talked about some of the, uh, for you, you know, the, the challenges of, 
you know you haven't haven't taught on this this book in a while but you have the resources so what when you're actually unpacking the passage and you're preparing it for Sunday morning what are the things that you're like you feel very challenged by when bringing this to a congregation like the one on Sunday you know I, I work in the in the business world a lot and I work with men who are high achievers and I think that you know we live in a country which elevates the man who is a self-made man yeah and here is what Paul has been in his early years, as you've shared, but now as he's come to a full understanding of the gospel, he says, I've, I've taken all those things and I've set them aside. It really fits in nicely with chapter two, where where he the Lord humbled himself. That word yeah. humble is the word used in the Luke passage about uh, leveling a mountain, yeah. uh, make way for the ready, uh, make, make straight the way of the Lord, may the valleys be filled and the mountain be brought low. That mm. idea of taking my mountain, my education, my position, mm. my bank account, my home, my address, and leveling that because that's all I bring to Christ. Nothing. I just come to Christ just as I am. Yeah. That would make a good hymn. I think that yeah, that'd be good. You should you should jot that down, right? In my sermon, you know, in the in the recorded version, you know, this week's recording had to be done quite early. So the 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 version that that people see online, it's similar to but but different than especially the ten thirty sermon. Sermon. One of the things I really uh, dialed up a notch uh, or dialed up maybe two or three notches was really. Um, confronting the congregation and myself too, because I and and I said this uh, to my Sunday school class, you know, and you you brought you brought um, you brought this out very very well in terms of you know what are the trophies you know you talked about your friend you know what are the trophies that that you know we've been pursuing you know going after and 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 I put it out there with especially with the ten thirty folks to say. Look, we've got these areas of our lives that we put a lot of stock in, giving us joy, happiness, contentment, fulfillment, um, and in the end, they're gonna they're gonna really fall short. Yes, yeah. uh, I think I use the line you you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Yeah, which is one that my my father in law <laughs> used to say all the time. He used to say that very line when you said that. I was like, yeah, Tom Christian. That that was that was one of his lines too, because you know he also dealt with a lot of folks that that put a lot of stock in that. And I mean, look, I mean, I got degrees on my wall that, and, and that I have to, I have to say, look, this, those are great things, but you know, that's not the, those things, unless they're uh, of use for the gospel, they really aren't, aren't of any value whatsoever. And I loved how you put this, this concept of sometimes we use things, we use people to get the things and, and it's not that the things are bad. Right. But it's putting them in their proper place. You yeah, know, we, I wonder if you talk a little bit more about that that whole concept there too, because I think that's a real, especially in our culture, and by our culture, I mean really the this particular culture in Lakeland. I think we're really good at at gaining. You know, trying to. You know, there's a lot of high achievers in our congregation. Um, you know, we sit we sit nestled between two. Um, you know, small but but prestigious universities, uh, many of whom there are a lot of faculty here that, that come here. So there's a lot of stock put in that. So I wonder if you talk a little bit about that, that idea of, you know, putting that prestige and those things in their proper place. Well, and, and my youngest son, Johnny has that sign in his gym that I mentioned. It, it says, uh, use things, love people, don't confuse the yeah, don't two. The few, yeah. And uh, to me, I mean, that's that, you know, we, there are people that come to our church 
and I'm not condemning that because they, they at this point don't know any better, but because it's socioeconomically a good thing for them. Yeah. Business deals can happen here that can happen in a church that's in a much lower socioeconomic place. Networking. And yeah. again, if you're using your, your economics to minister to other people, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, and I, there, there's nothing wrong with wealth. It was... Uh, you know, many of the people that we know and honor in the scriptures were, were people of wealth. Mm-hmm. Abraham and you mentioned was a man of Lydia, wealth. I mean, and by all accounts, Lydia was a wealthy uh, person. Yeah, that and we can used tell. her wealth to start the church mm-hmm. at, at Philippi. Mm-hmm. And and God used a guy that owned a sixty three foot yacht mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when I was in college to lead me to Christ because he la- he allowed other college guys to take me there, and I'd spend two or three nights on the yacht, and and it just made life comfortable, and I could ask the questions of life mm-hmm. and God that I needed to among these guys, and he saw that complete yacht as a ministry yacht. I mean, it was, you know, great that he had the, the, the resources to do all that. But, you know, um, in the end, I need to make sure that, um, you know, I, in, in the business world, if I'm climbing the ladder of success only to find that at the end, my ladder is leaning against the wrong wall, yeah. uh, then how, how wasted is my career? Yeah. And so at, at the end of it, I've never met a businessman who looked at me in the eye and said, gosh, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. Yeah. It's always about relationship and re- and relationship, first of all, with Christ and then the people that, that 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 mean the most to me. And so, again, as as a man, that's that's the question I want to ask other men. You know, yeah. am, am I committed to, to something higher than myself? Mm-hmm. Is there a higher goal than just me and my business? And mm-hmm. am I building relationships with my family, my friends, my neighbors, my coworkers? Yeah, yeah. And you talked about the the one. You know, what's the one thing? You know, <laughs> getting that straight. And and I say full disclosure. I don't know if you realize this too, but Pastor John used that uh, a few weeks ago in the classic service, not in. Vine. I was not there. Yeah, yeah. He used that same uh, that city slickers, and I've used it in previous. I haven't used it in a long time, but I, I, I think it's I think it's hilarious that neither one of you really referenced what Curly actually says in that line. <laughs> uh, that everything else doesn't mean um, well, as Paul says, rubbish, right? Except he uses more colorful yes. language in the, in the movie. Um, but it, it, it's, you know, it, it is a, you know, I, I really, so to that point, I think one of the things that you said that I really appreciated is the idea of the enemy of the best, right? The enemy of the best is not the worst. It's the good. And how often we be, and, and I, that to me, when I'm when I'm listening, when I'm watching your sermon uh, this morning, uh, that to me is probably the most convicting part of it because there's a lot of good that I get asked to do all the time, and uh, the no's are hard to come by. I mean, the no's are the ones that I just absolutely cannot accommodate, rather than saying no to the things that might be good things in order to do to focus on the best things. And we all have to do good things. You know, we can't always just always do the best thing, but it's it's a question that we need to ask regularly. Does this impact my walk with Christ? Does this impact my family? Does this impact the ministry that God has called me to do? And if it's not going to do that in a positive way, you know, I, I'll t- just take a, a common hobby that we have around here, fishing. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm using fishing to build relationships with guys that don't know Christ yet, uh, then go fishing. That's great. But if I'm just going out there selfishly to be alone in nature, again, there are times for that. But yeah. a lot of the time, I can use, I can double up with the time, and, and 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 the best thing is to reach out to people without Christ. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think too one of the one of the challenges with the good versus the best is that sometimes we 
half, we, we put our efforts halfway towards the best because we've got about, you know, 50 other goods that, that are taking time and energy. And, and the, for, at least I'll just speak for myself, uh, sometimes doing all the, all the little good things, uh, steal and go back to the Philippians passage, steals the joy mm. of the best yes. thing that God has really in front of me, right? To, to really, um, that God has designed me to do uh, because there's all these other requests. Do you ever and, get so tired from doing the good things that you don't have enough energy to do the best thing? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, all the. T- I mean, I would say all the time. But but there are there are definitely weeks, and, and sometimes there there sometimes you don't have a choice because the good things are the are necessary things. But the best things are those things that you feel most. And, and one of the one of the jumping off points that I'm because uh, I'm. Uh, I'm actually in my, my head's in three different sermons right now, but thinking <laughs> thinking forward to this week's message is um, jumping off points for this week's message is what you said with the good versus the best because one of the things that Paul talks about in Philippians four is the, in verse eight he talks about the whatever is good, whatever is excellent, whatever is lovely. If there's oh, anything praiseworthy, yeah, think about those things. Yeah, um, I was going to write a book on that verse. Oh, did you? But I I was doing good things and I didn't have That's the time right. to write the book. <laughs> a true story. I have a file on it That's whatever right. is good whatever is honorable yeah but 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 i but i think paul but i think that's part of what paul is saying right yeah. you know this is how you cast out the um because he uses you know there's a lot and i don't want to give too much away for this week but there's a lot of uh heavy superlative language in philippians 4 you know always everything nothing i mean these are words that my my parents told me never to say never say never don't never say always always avoid always always yeah. avoid always because you know there there always there are exceptions to those moments and and uh um but but i think that that's where the 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 good can sometimes steal the joy of the best that God that God has for us. But the irony of that statement is, you know, earlier we're talking about the value that Paul, you know, puts in suffering, mm. right? Which doesn't at all seem Don't like you just love that <laughs> because he puts this 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 he puts all these things in 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 the same passages. You know, he puts all these things in the same passages. Yeah. So how do you reconcile this this idea of the good and the best? Uh, and then marry it with the the suffering that God has for us sometimes. You know, they, he obviously had it for Jesus. He obviously had it for Paul. Yes. Um, and sometimes the best that God has for us, and this is going to sound, I think, for the listener, it's not going to sound odd when I say it to you, but I think for the listener it's going to sound odd. Sometimes the best God has for us kind of kind of is feels terrible can be and you know a couple of things one is you and i know uh, people who have had cancer or serious illness i've had at least a half a dozen people tell me look if it came to having the cancer or not yeah and knowing what i've learned through the cancer or not having the cancer i would take the cancer every time Mm. Because in the suffering, in the illness, in the weakness, there is there's an intimacy with Christ that, that comes. Mm-hmm. I think on a positive note, we didn't have the verses to preach on, but the last part of Philippians 3, in addition to, to being uh, an accountant with a new spreadsheet and an athlete with a new finish line, uh, Paul basically says, I'm an alien with a different country. Yeah. When he says at the end of the chapter, our citizenship is in heaven. Well, we, we live here. Everything mm-hmm. in, in my life is, is what I can touch and feel and see in the here and now, although I guess there are 
new alien discoveries going on that are being released by the government. But if our citizenship is really in heaven, uh, then we have a, we have a different standard, and then we can focus on what is best and ultimately what is best because I'm a citizen of heaven in the end. And much as I love living in Lakeland, there's no place I'd rather be. Um, but uh, this is just a, a partial glimpse of yeah. how great heaven's going to be. Yeah, it's like the every time we get something where Paul, because Paul then, you know, in like I said, in the Philippians 4, he does talk about the good, the excellent, the lovely. There are things that we can experience here yes. that are good and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. But, but to your point, those are just reflections you know as he says in first corinthians 13 that they're we only see those as as dimly lit right then we will see clearly right and so um there are good things that god gives there are even best things that god gives us but but the best thing is ultimately living into the purposes of god and sometimes that that leads to suffering and 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 entering into those suffering moments with a great deal of humility that, that God knows what is best. Um, it's most of the time very good to be a Presbyterian. Yes, that's right. That's the trust in the sovereignty of God is. is is our calling card, is yes, it not? It is it's yes. not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I this, you know, these passages of scripture. I think the whole book of Philippians. You know, we we preached on Philippians here um, about five years ago, and we actually did eight weeks or nine. You know, we did a, a you know two or three weeks longer because there's so much to unpack in the book of Philippians. And, you know, it's not just you know we reduce you know say reduce it but we kind of narrow it down to the joy piece which is the, obviously it's a drum beat mm-hmm. right um but it's a drum beat as 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 a part of a larger song you know and that's that's what shocked me in my prep was i actually went through and i counted up the times that paul said in christ in or christ. in him or in the lord and there were 22 of those yeah i think there were only 19 joys <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah I, I had 20 in the greek i had 20 joys but not to, you know but the 22s uh 22 in christ which proves the point of where paul's joy really is founded yes. and and where it comes from so um anything that you wish you had more time to unpack on sunday with folks i mean you went you got got deep into the background you got deep into the to to paul's experience in in Philippi, which is is extremely important because it gives us the context of what's being said. And just before we hit record, we talked about the fact that there's a lot of in the book of Philippians that can get taken out of context. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm drinking out of my mug that says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context, which is a reference to a Philippians 4 verse. Um, but is there something that you wish you had more time to kind of unpack in detail in in in? Philippians 3. I mean, you talked about the alien uh, citizenship piece. Yeah, and that piece also, in that same passage, it says, uh, our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And you know, the fact is, Christ is coming again, and that will ma- that is what makes the here and now bearable when we are enduring the suffering. And a lot of times we need to put our, you know, the, the phrase I use from the Oklahoma softball team, our eyes up. Uh, are on above our circumstances, but our eyes are also up looking looking to the heavens for Christ to return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which actually, I mean, you talk about the thing that surprises me when I've when I going through this time through the Book of Philippians. The thing that has surprised me is how, and maybe it shouldn't surprise me, but how often Paul references the second coming. Yes, 
in the book of Philippians. I don't know the number, but I, I think it's at, it's probably at least two two or three times per chapter he mm. references in in uh, either by allusion or by direct directly talking about it uh, the resurrection or the not just the resurrection but the second coming of Christ um, because again it's 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 heaven but it's also the ultimate return those two the twin hopes of our salvation right the the twin hopes of our salvation are heaven when we die and a share in the bodily glory of Christ when he returns and uh, that's a pretty profound statement that Paul constantly goes back back to that over and over again you just imagine him in prison often coming back to that don't you yeah yeah kept him going i mean one day at a time one day at a time how many years did this poor man have to spend in prison so that we could have this information yeah yeah and you know it's funny this is just kind of a side note you mentioned the oklahoma uh sooner softball team at the towards the beginning of your message was funny that you had mentioned that because uh, I had not. I, I'm not a softball. The track and field thing. I'm. I'm on. You know. I, I watch all of it though. I was a long distance runner. So uh, you know, somebody's got to watch that. <laughs> I, I watch the. But I also watch the sprints. But uh, but the the softball teams. Uh, it's not. That's not as much my thing. Um, but the 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 press conference that you mentioned, uh, Brian Morgan actually texted me and John that th- those clips mm. on Sunday morning mm. with the, with the note saying, "Hey, this really I think goes so well with what we're preaching on right now." Yeah, it does. <laughs> and I, and and sure enough, I walk out and someone said, "Hey, did you know that about the Oklahoma Sooner the softball team?" Ed was talking about this, but I was I, when I just. This is what happens on Sunday morning. I'm literally sitting at the at the opening of the 8:15 service when I get that text message, like five, two minutes before I'm about to to start the service. Like I don't really necessarily have time to integrate that into my message this week, but I was glad you did. I was well, glad it was you, did. you know I had I had a lot more time in the Vine service. That's right. That's right. Well, Ed, it's uh, always a pleasure to sit down and and, and speak with you, and I, I really appreciate you up stepping in. Uh, you'll be in again in a few weeks. Uh, um, into the July sixteenth cla- in, in the classic <laughs> yeah, service. I'm afraid in, so. <laughs> in the classic service, um, and just encourage anybody if they missed this this past uh, week's messages or any of our messages, uh, head to our website fpclakeland.org. Go to the worship page and the sermon archive tab. Uh, you can watch the complete. Uh, services online. I encourage you, if you are the type of person like me who typically listens to the message, um, you definitely going to want to watch Ed's message because he does integrate a lot of uh, poster, but not posters, pictures from Philippi. I especially loved the picture um, on the river with the, the chapel mm. at the river because I'd never seen that picture before. So I encourage people watch the message this week, especially if you get a chance to do that. And if you've missed any one of our episodes of Armchair preaching encourage you to go to uh, any of the major podcasting sites apple podcast uh, google play stitcher soundcloud spotify subscribe so that you can be notified when a new episode drops you can share it and uh, with your friends and feel free to leave a review it does help others find us as well uh, ed as always really appreciate your time and your expertise um you forgotten more about philippians than i know right now so that's pretty love being here thank you thank you so much and uh, we'll see everybody next time